from WUSC-FM and HG1 Columbia, I'm Flint Snyder, in for War Jollis. And I'm Erin Slowey. This is Localized from WUSC News. This week, the country mourns the passing of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. News of her death sent shockwaves across the U.S., leading many to wonder what comes next in light of the fast-approaching presidential election. Here to talk with us about just how important the next few weeks will be as Republicans scramble to fill the vacant seat is Treasurer of College Democrats, Richard Dorman. Also here tonight is Grace Lady, president of Dance Marathon. Every year, the student-run organization hosts its main event, a 14-hour dance marathon to raise money for Prisma Health Children's Hospital. This past year, they raised an unprecedented $1 million. How are they planning to keep that momentum under COVID restrictions? All this and more tonight on Localize. The news is first. Live from WUSC News, I'm Summer Rogers. The university COVID-19 dashboard is still at new normal with 88 current active cases. There have been 2,281 total recovered cases since August 1st. South Carolina lawmakers have recently approved the second round of federal aid for COVID-19. The remaining $693 million of federal money directed towards COVID-19 expenses will go towards the unemployment fund. $420 million will go to replenish the state's unemployment fund. With the pandemic causing many to lose their jobs, these funds will keep businesses from having to repay the money spent for years to come on jobless benefits in the face of the coronavirus. This past Wednesday, protesters took to the streets in Columbia to demand criminal charges for the police officers who killed Breonna Taylor. The killing of Breonna Taylor has been an ongoing issue across the country, and on Wednesday night, a group of approximately 40 protesters took their voices back to the State House. Without a formal charge for any officer involved with the shooting, many are still demanding further action. A candlelight vigil was held in honor for Ruth Bader Ginsburg last night in Columbia. Today, she was honored in the Capitol in a special way. WUSC's Spencer Buckler reports. Today, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg continues to make history as the first woman to lie in state at the Capitol building. She is also the first Jewish person to be given the honor. 38 people have lied in state at the Capitol since 1852. It comes after Ginsburg died last Friday after suffering complications from pancreatic cancer. Since her death, there has been a lot of talk about who will replace Ginsburg and when they'll do it. Many Democratic lawmakers have said that decisions should be made after November's presidential election. President Trump says he'll announce his decision on Saturday. Spencer Buckler, WUSC News, Columbia. Tomorrow, the SEC kicks off their 2020 season, with South Carolina taking on the Tennessee Volunteers. The Gamecocks will play at 7.30 in Williams-Brice Stadium. The game will be broadcast on the SEC Network. Outside of the stadium, a new 20 by 20 foot Gamecock will be unveiled in time for the first game. The Dow Jones Industrial Average rose 358 points today. The Nasdaq increased 241 points and the S&P 500 rose 51 points. It's currently 81 degrees outside and partly cloudy. The low tonight will be 66. Tomorrow will be cloudy as well with a high of 81 and a low of 64. It's 6.09. Spurs up, masks up, Gamecocks. I'm University of South Carolina student body president, Izzy Rushton. And I'm President Bob Caslin. Let's prevent the spread of COVID-19. Keep your distance, no matter the location. Get tested. 
Wash your hands. Wear face coverings in class and on campus, in restaurants, and in every social setting around Columbia. And take the I Pledge Columbia promise. We are Gamecocks, so spurs up, masks up, Gamecocks. We'll, we'll get, get through, through this, this together. together. Messages of sorrow and support have flooded social media this week after the passing of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. After serving over 27 years as the second woman appointed to the Supreme Court of the United States, Ginsburg will be remembered as a trailblazer for women's rights. Last night, hundreds of mourners gathered for a candlelight vigil here in Columbia outside the South Carolina Supreme Court. But as her memory is celebrated, many are wondering what's next for the court after the loss of its most powerful liberal justice and as the November election draws closer. Here to talk with us about what the next few weeks could entail and why it matters is treasurer for the USC chapter of College Democrats, Richard Dorman. Richard, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? Doing good. How about you? I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you. So talk to me a little bit about how does the Supreme Court's decision affect the world we live in for the people that do not know? Well, the Supreme Court um, is supposed to be a body of... Um, Elect, well, appointed officials by the president who are then confirmed by the Senate that can um, that have a power that's known as judicial review. So if Congress passes a bill um, and the Supreme Court, through the power of judicial review, they can look at that bill and make a determination, okay, this is not a constitutional bill. Um, this is not fall in line with what the Constitution says. So then they're able to strike it down. Um, and they can do that for a variety of different things. Some landmark Supreme Court decisions are, um, uh, of course, Roe v. Wade, which is uh, probably the one Supreme Court case that most people are being worried are worried about right now. Of course, Roe v. Wade was the decision in the 1970s that um, effectively uh, ruled that uh, women have the right to um, their own reproductive health if they have the right to seek an abortion if they believe it's necessary. Um, and that one decision here is, uh, conservative justices are very much against, and it's very possible that with this, um, new Supreme Court nominee, that, uh, case might be overturned. So then what impact, you kind of were hinting to it a little bit. So what impact does Ginsburg's death have on this next election? Well, it's certainly going to be motivating Democrats to go into, um, the election more than it has before. Um, before Justice Ginsburg passed, um, there was a five to four uh, conservative majority on the court. However, um, the deciding vote on the court was Chief Justice John Roberts, who, while a conservative, who was appointed by um, President Bush, um, George W. Bush, um, he also adheres to stare decisis or precedent effectively. He's not someone who likes activist judiciary. Um, so it was widely seen that if on um, the um, if Roe v. Wade were to go um, and be potentially replaced by the court, it wouldn't be because of him. Well, now we're seeing that there will probably be a six to three conservative majority on the court. And now, um, even if Roberts votes against it, um, it's not going to do anything to help out. So. Democrats see that, and they are really, really motivated right now. So within the first day after her death was announced, ActBlue, which is the Democratic Party's number one um, small donor donation um, platform, every single candidate uses it. Um, 
raised a record $91 million just within those first 24 hours. Um, and I, I don't know where, where they have raised since then, but I know that the numbers have only been going up and going up. And so that just demonstrates how motivated Democrats are to um, make sure that uh, the Republicans don't replace the seat. Mm -hmm. So since the announcement of her death, many people have been calling for the next president to fill the vacancy. Do you think this will happen? And what do you think should happen? Well, as um, a Democrat myself, um, I really want the um, decision to be made by whomever is um, sworn in on January 20th next year, whoever wins the election, because that's what the Republicans did to us in 2016. You know, um, Barack Obama, in the closing months of his presidency, nominated a new Supreme Court justice, but the Republican Senate blocked it on the basis that it's an election year, we should let the voters decide. Well, here we are, it's an election year. They're not gonna let the voters decide. So um, I think it's very possible that it's gonna go through. And I think the reason being is because there are, the Republicans are confident enough to go on ahead and say right now that they're going to replace that seat. Now, um, for the Republican Party, one of the top issues that really, um, it's a bread and butter issue for conservatives is um, Supreme, conservative Supreme Court justices, particularly targeting the case of Roe v. Wade. Um, and, you know, Republicans are running in close Senate races all across America right now. It's very possible that Republicans will lose the Senate going into this election cycle. But then again, though, now the Republican party has something to motivate their voters in addition to just defending Trump. They also have the chance, one in a million chance to be able to get rid of Roe v. Wade. So Republicans are going to be energized going into this election. The question here, though, is going to be who's more energized? Is it going to be Democrats or Republicans? Um, that being said, though, I think uh, the Republican Party is definitely confident enough they can get this confirmation through. And even if it, it costs them the Senate, well, they still will have uh, that Supreme Court majority for another 30 years. So it's probably worth it to them. Mm -hmm. So Amy Connett Brett is one of the front, run front runners for, to fill the position. What would she bring to the court if she got nominated and elected? Well, um, I haven't done enough research into Amy yet, but I will say that the number one issue will probably, again, be Roe versus Wade. Um, I know that she has a very, very conservative um, record on um, cases dealing with abortion. Um, so, and I know that that's definitely going to be probably the number one policy priority for the um, Trump White House when they're making this selection. So it's, I'm 100% confident that she's going to unite with the rest of conservative justices in trying to um, find a case to be able to get rid of Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. So the election is 38 days away. What do you think students should know when they are voting this year? Well, first of all, everyone needs to know that you need to register the vote if you're in the state of South Carolina by October 4th. Um, you can go to scvotes.org um, and you can register online. It takes like five minutes. Um, and you can go on ahead and start requesting an absentee ballot soon as well. But um, just know that when election deadlines are, you can find them on the Election um, Commission's website, SC Votes. Um, but just look at the candidates, you know, ask yourself where the issues that are most important to you, but just do your research on the different candidates. There are plenty of good ones out there. Um, a little biased towards Democrats, but you know, <laughs> today I want to see more students voting. Yep.
Perfect. Well, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much, Richard. That was Richard Dorman, treasurer for the College Democrats. Up next, we will hear more from how Dance Marathon is fundraising. We'll be right back. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. You're listening to Localize from WUSC News. I'm Flynn Snyder. USC's Dance Marathon is the largest student-run charitable organization on campus. Each year, the group's main event brings students together for a 14-hour non-stop dance marathon that aims to raise money for the Child Life Program at Prisma Health Children's Hospital. This week, the group announced the theme for this year's event called Together We Can. Now entering its 23rd year, the event has raised over $6 million for children across South Carolina. But with coronavirus restrictions in place this year, how is the group planning on keeping the energy, raising the money, all while staying safe? Joining us now to talk about this year's theme and more is, uh, is Dance Marathon's president, Grace Lady. Grace, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, take me uh, through real quick just how you guys came up with the theme, Together We Can. What was the idea behind it? Yeah, so we have a nine-person executive board, including myself, um, and all of us have been meeting throughout the summer, talking with our, we call our uh, heads of committee, we call them directors, um, so talking with our directors throughout the summer, brainstorming ideas about what did we want our campaign to be this year. Um, some of our board members were returning from last year, and our campaign last year was more than, so the focus on being, you know, more than just an event, this is something that is you know, a huge part of, um, you know, what makes USCDM special and brings a lot to Prisma Health in our community. So coming off of that, um, on top of, you know, the situation that we're all in under COVID with all kinds of different things happening in our communities now, um, we wanted to create a campaign that would bring people together, focus on what we can do together, um, rather than, you know, the challenges that we're facing individually um, and how, you know, coming together, we have a lot, much greater power. Um, and so we kept on coming back to that idea of a unifying theme, being together um, and that power that you have together. And that's just uh, after all the meetings we had, the conversations we had, that's what we uh, decided on. Yeah. And for anyone that doesn't know who's listening, what does a typical dance marathon main event look like? So typically, uh, main event is at the end of February in the spring. Um, it starts around, you can typically we do check-in from about 8 to 10 a.m. You come, you enter the um, gyms at Strom Thurmond uh, Wellness and Fitness Center, and you sit down and you kind of look around and this gym, this giant gym is decorated, all kinds of banners. There's a stage, lights, um, waiting for everything to happen. We'll do our opening ceremonies, um, introduce some of our really incredible partners from Prisma Health and the Prisma Health Foundation. Um, we also work with Aflac. They're one of our big sponsors as well as Nephron Pharmaceuticals. 
um, introduce them and introduce some of our Miracle families. Um, and then we kick the whole thing off and our morale team will start teaching a line dance that they create every year. Um, there's different activities going on throughout the event. So last year we had inflatables, we had a silent disco, um, we had a miracle hallway. So you could walk through this kind of makeshift hallway to learn more about the organization, the history of it. Um, and then throughout the event, we'll do kind of challenges for fundraising um, and introduce more and more of our miracle families. So we try and introduce as many of them as we can. Um, they typically come out to the event, sometimes for the whole day, um, but a lot of them, because they have kids, <laughs> um, aren't staying with us the whole day. They're just coming for a short period of time. Um, but give them the chance to share their story and the chance for participants to get to meet them. Yeah, and you know, obviously this event is a huge undertaking to plan. How have COVID-19 restrictions altered the planning process for this year? So right now, um, our team that plans specifically within our staff plans main event um, there are under the internal productions committee and they have been working. We actually just had a meeting yesterday and to go over some of their preliminary brainstorming. They've been working so hard to brainstorm um, plans for all different kinds of events. We haven't decided yet what our event is going to look like in February. Um, we are looking at everything from fully virtual and online to fully in person, depending on what the restrictions look like in the coming weeks. Um, and the team right now is planning for literally every possibility. Um, so because we've done in person before, we feel a little bit more comfortable in terms of, you know, okay, we know how to do that. We can pull that off if we are able to. Um, but we've been looking into a lot of different, you know, third party companies that can help us with either live streaming the event um, or making it something that's a little bit more virtual and COVID safe and friendly. And even with the vast amount of options that you guys have in terms of hosting the event this year, how do you guys still ensure that the main goal, which is raising funds for the children, how do you ensure that that still is at the forefront of the messaging? So within our internal staff, um, we try and share as much about our Miracle Families and the Child Life Specialists that we fundraise for at Prism Health. We try and share as much about them as possible. And also spread that message out to, we call our participants heroes, um, because at the end of the day, being a participant within this organization and raising funds for Prisma Health, you are a hero for someone. Um, you may never meet them, you may never get to see them or know exactly what that impact was, but those funds all, every single dollar has a huge impact. Um, so we try and push out to our heroes and our staff um, as much as possible, you know, what that impact is, um, you know, introducing them to Miracle Families throughout the year doing events to kind of build that cause connection, educating people about what child life does um, at Prisma Health. And a lot of times that really helps with kind of, you know, connecting that cause and that need um, with fundraising. And um, you, you mentioned a little bit about the child life program. Just really quickly paint a picture for us. How much of an impact does Dance, Dance, does Dance Marathon, excuse me, typically have on the program? So without Dance Marathon, the program would not be able to be funded and would not exist at Prisma Health. So Child Life provides for extra therapies and services and the Child Life specialists that work there um, that go through and bring not only just toys and like arts and crafts to kids, but also go through like distraction techniques that help siblings understand what's going on with their sibling in the hospital. Um, you know, simply keep a kid entertained and laughing when a parent just needs to step out and run to the grocery store or make a phone call or just have a moment to themselves. So they have a huge impact on the hospital. Um, and for the past, I think, five years now, we've fully funded the Child Life Program. 
Um, so without U.S. Deviance Marathon, that program doesn't exist. And really quickly, um, for anyone listening and interested in being a part of this year's event, what are some ways that students can get involved in Dance Marathon? Absolutely. So if you want to be a part of the event, um, want to be a part of USCDM this year, you can register by going to www.uscdm.org um, and click get involved and you'll see a tab pop up for heroes and it'll walk you through how to register on our page. We use a third party company called Donor Drive so it'll redirect you to there. Um, and we have a ton of events coming up this semester, regardless of you know in-person and virtual, we have some in-person and virtual options. So if you check out our Garnet Gate page, um, you can see what events we have coming up in October and November. Awesome. Well, that was uh, Dance Marathon President Grace Lady. Thank you very much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. Of course. And that's it for this episode of Localize. Make sure to join us every Friday at 6 p.m. for our local take on this week's biggest stories. Localize is a production by WSC News and is produced by Mary Bryant Charles and Ward Jellis. The outreach coordinator for Localize is Rita Nadu, and the music for the show is called Freedom by Atch. You can find other news shows and WUSC News podcasts at garnetmediagroup.org. Live from WUSC News in Columbia, I'm Flynn Snyder. And I'm Erin Slowey. We'll this see- is Localize. We'll see you all next week.